Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 113, my friends. Today we have an amazing interview with Michelle Molitor. She is an executive confidence coach and rapid rewire expert. Uh, what does that mean? Well, we talk a lot about it in the interview, so you're going to have to listen. But uh, she has a book called Breakthrough Healing. And what she does is a very rapid transformational process with people. Uh, and she's going to explain all that. Uh, getting through our barriers and uh, blocks that we may have in our lives, that uh, all of us seem to have uh, some sort of those things that hold us back in some capacity. First of all, you got to face the reality that they're there. And then uh, she goes through a whole process of rewiring and reprogramming those things in our minds. So let's talk about all that in the interview. First of all, as always, uh, you guys know the drill by now. I want to remind you, you are absolutely priceless. As I always say, nothing can change that. No matter what people say, do, have, even around us, nothing can change your priceless state. And uh, despite all the so-called riches of this world, let's be real here, with all the riches tied to inflation and decay and all the things in this world, everything falls apart. I go buy that new Bentley today. It'll be pretty for a little while, and eventually it too will decay and <laughs> not be worth much. But your priceless eternal state uh, remains. The riches are found in you, my friend. And of course, along with that, you are never alone. Don't forget that. Don't ever believe, uh, especially in these hard moments, a lot of people are going through a lot of things. Uh, all you got to do is look around a little bit, whether you go read an article or check out a little bit of social media here and there for those folks who are being honest. I know a lot of people uh, personally and uh, at the grander scale of the world are going through a lot of stuff right now. Uh, I hope this ends up being a good thing for everyone overall as a period of growth and introspection as uh, both individuals and collectively as humanity as uh, how we treat each other and what we do with our lives and how we spend our time and where and with whom. Uh, and so in any case, you're never alone. Reach out. Reach out to me, info at empowerhumans.com, at Empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, uh, neighbors, friends, coworkers, don't be shy. People want to, it's in our nature as people to want to help and lift each other. So remember that and have faith in that reality. And uh, I venture guess if people came to you, you'd probably, in most cases, probably want to do what you can to lift and help as well. And uh, so you're priceless, you're never alone. And of course, our challenges, study, keep studying. I've been studying continually. Uh, I've got a couple books I'm going through right now. And uh, I just want you to continue to stimulate your mind. Uh, as we talked about recently a few times about my great aunt Eleanor, who's 100 going on 101. Uh, she's spent her life constantly active, constantly working. Not that everyone has to work to the age of 95 like she did, <laughs> but uh, staying our, keeping our minds sharp and active and our bodies uh, is key, balance. Uh, so let's strive for that, uh, study and continue to grow in those ways. And of course, make great moments is the second challenge. Uh, of course, as I always say, that's with loved ones. That's with uh, other humans. Uh, and hopefully all humans can be loved ones in some way. Uh, so let's lift each other. Let's surprise each other. Let's be creative. Let's uh, spend uh, time together uh, in as much as we can in these difficult, weird times with this virus situation and everything. But make great moments. You can talk via Zoom. We, we still ought to be counting our blessings of all the great things that we have uh, access to that in years and decades past and even in my childhood certainly did not exist, much less the Internet uh, until the 90s. Yes, I'm turning 40 next month. Uh, but that's a side topic. Uh, in any case, make great moments, 
study, and of course, our last challenge. Let's keep doing this podcast together. I'm so excited to bring you this interview. Michelle is a very dynamic and incredible individual with all kinds of great wisdom and insights. So again, as always, without further ado, my friends, let's jump right into the interview here with Michelle Molitor. Here we go. We're so excited to welcome Michelle Molitor, who is executive confidence coach, rapid rewire expert, author, all these great things. And uh, Michelle coming to us from uh, Hayward, California, just down the road from where <laughs> some of my family's from. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm great, Phil. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, I was, I'm fascinated by these topics that you cover uh, as far as rewiring in the subconscious mind. I've read, listened to some books. And uh, I think a lot of people, to be honest, are fascinated by these topics because uh, maybe partially because we don't understand them, but we know they're there <laughs> kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> but tell, tell me a little about your background and how you, how you came into this place of, of doing this and helping people, uh, not to just jump right in, but tell me about some of that and, and how you got to, to do what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of stumbled my way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it, it's funny because I was a, a creative director in my former career um, in mm -hmm. the height of the dot-com boom and is what brought me here to the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. And essentially, um, I got bullied out of my job um, really? by, by two, two guys that I had hired and they made it pretty clear that they didn't like working for a woman. They didn't like working for me. Mm. And it was quite devastating to my confidence and left my self-esteem and my self-worth kind of in a puddle at my feet. And so my uncle in his wisdom said, why don't you get a coach? I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, there's a thing called career coaches now. This is back in 2000, right? Yeah. And so I was like, huh, okay, sure. I need one of those. Mm -hmm. And so I, I found someone and hired them. And in the process of being coached, it's like all the cells in my body came into alignment, Phil, and, and my spirit said, yes, this is, this is the work that you're supposed to be doing. I was like, okay. So I went on to get trained and certified and started my company, Nectar Consulting, in 2001 and have been doing it ever since. So I'm coming up on my 19th anniversary here. Wow. And along my path, I've always been a bit of a learning junkie of how do, I, how do I become the best person I can be to be the best coach that I can be for other people? Because you have right. to move your own stuff out of the way. You got to move the junk out of your own trunk before you can help other people do that. And so I've done a lot of that and um, a lot of different modalities. I geek out on neuroscience and physics and energetics and human dynamics and human behavior and all these things. And several years ago, um, I stumbled across the work of Marissa Peer. She's a world-renowned therapist. And she's pioneered a methodology called Rapid Transformational Therapy, or RTT for short. And I had a few blocks of my own that I still hadn't been able to get out of the way despite all of my best efforts and all of the things that I had tried. And literally within a few weeks of doing some work with her, um, those really stubborn blocks were gone. They were out of the way. And I was shocked and amazed and delighted um, after trying so hard in so many different ways to, to move those frustrating blocks out of my own way. And mm -hmm. so when she started training people in her, her methodology, RTT, I was a big yes. I've gone on to be trained and certified with her. I've worked with her and her team to build out other products and services and um, 
really mm-hmm. fully immerse myself in this work. And, and in doing so, I realized that I found that there was a, a disconnect because Marissa says, oh, I can, I can cure someone in one session. And, and I've seen her do it, and it's pretty amazing. And there's only one Marissa. <laughs> so, <Right>. um, <clears throat> excuse me. So essentially what I've done is I've, I've combined RTT with my nearly 20 years of coaching experience into what I call my rapid rewiring process, right? So inside of 30 to 90 days, I help folks get at the root cause at a subconscious level of the blocks and the barriers that have been holding them back and then help them put new strategies and behaviors in place for greater success in a very short period of time. So instead of having, um, a coaching relationship with someone for six or 12 months like I used to, or Mm -hmm. folks who have relationships with their therapist that go on for months or years, um, I'm literally able to help people in in 16 to 90 days to get at um, really tough issues that are buried deep in their subconscious, whether that's um, a lack of self-confidence, a lack of self-esteem like I was dealing with, um, but also your relationship with money, physical challenges that people um, have been dealing with, like um, chronic migraines or uh, inflammatory bowel syndrome or adrenal fatigue. These are all things I've worked with people on and help them eliminate them completely or significantly reduce Mm -hmm. um, the challenges that they've been dealing with sometimes for decades. So your mind is a very powerful place, Phil. And Your subconscious is just a container, a container for all the data that comes into your experience every single day. It just takes it all in. And anywhere along your path, your life path, um, you had experiences and we make these little micro decisions about ourselves consciously and unconsciously, particularly as children. And those beliefs go and sit in our subconscious, right? Filed away nice and neatly. And there's a part of our brain called the amygdala. And your amygdala is your fight or flight or freeze mechanism. And I like to call her Amy. Amy's the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to keep you safe and alive and on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And so if Amy sees this belief that says, oh, it's not safe to do this, right? Don't, don't speak up because you'll get yelled at or don't speak up because you might get abused, right? I've worked with people who've had terrible abuse issues. Um, And so Amy's just there to keep you safe. Don't do that or else, right? This might happen. But oftentimes what what happens is as as we grow and we mature and we become adults, those old belief patterns really don't serve us any any further, but Amy is still protecting you against them. And and so it's this Hmm. process that I take people through is about identifying those, those old beliefs that are now holding you back, rewiring them, literally rewriting the script, and then instilling new empowering beliefs at a subconscious level, literally re, um, creating new neural pathways in your brain for yeah. success. So it's, it's powerful, it's geeky, um, and it's uh, mm-hmm. amazing to watch people transform. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk, Michelle, about blocks and uh, barriers, you're talking about the amygdala. We're talking about self-preservation. We're talking about uh, sounds like a, a fear factor of sorts that that plays into these things developing. Tell me more about barriers. What happens there? 
Um, because I, I personally, as well as you, as you described, and just about everyone I know, I think, have some version of, of this in their lives. Of, of Absolutely. So, so tell me about that. Why do these things happen? I mean, you, you, de- you kind of delved into a little bit with the uh, amygdala talk and stuff. Um, is, is it... Is it trauma? Is it, I mean, it's probably any number of things. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a, any number of things from one end of the spectrum to the other. It, it could be as simple as my sister said something not nice to me when I was five years old and I decided that I wasn't enough or I wasn't lovable or um, I wasn't worthy of something, right? Mm-hmm. Or it, it could be as horrific as, um, you know, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, that, you know, things that have happened to us as, as children, mm-hmm. as all the way back to, and this m- might sound weird, but it's, it's true, all the way back to the moment of inception, even when you're in your mother's womb, you're picking up on the emotions and the and the sensations that your your mother is is feeling right you're literally of her blood and her and her body and so mm-hmm. <clears throat> even when your mother is carrying stress or trauma in her body it can be transferred right and you you literally take it on and wow. you don't even know that you've done it right it's the water that we swim in so to speak and so um whether you grew up in a, a, a loving, wonderful family, or you didn't. Um, there's ideas and beliefs that we create about ourselves, um, either to remain safe or, you know, our, our minds basically either move us towards pleasure or away from pain. That's basic instinct right there, yeah, yeah. right? And so whatever those circumstances were from your life, that we're moving you towards pleasure or away from pain, um, oftentimes we create these ideas and these beliefs about ourselves and about other things. And that's where your amygdala kicks in to protect you from that. And so, um, you know, something relatively benign, um, you know, as a, as a kid, you get made fun of on the playground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, gosh, nobody likes me. Um, and then you might decide about yourself, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be their, their friend. Right. And kids are brutal (laughs) when it comes to these kinds of things. Um, and so that belief will stay with you until you consciously change it out. And if you're not getting positive reinforcement from the teachers or the adults in your life, then that belief can go undetected, if you will, and just sitting there at a subconscious level and, and then guide your behavior through the world to, quote, stay safe, right? right? So if you have a fundamental belief that you're not good enough or you're not um, worthy or deserving of love, that might have you shrink in different ways in the world. It might have you not be as confident as you could be, um, and, and stand up for yourself and, and express your, your voice, your needs, your desires in particular situations. Um, mm-hmm. And it can also go in the opposite direction, right? Where we create this false bravado and, oh, I'm fine, I'm tough. And, you know, I'm going to beat my way uh, through the system. Um, I've worked with clients on that end of the spectrum as well. So it's, 
humans are fascinating, right? We, we make up all sorts of things about ourselves and we think that's, quote, the way life is until we're able to take off the blinders by getting at those root beliefs, eliminating them. And then by doing so, you actually are removing the blinders and and it allows you to see so much more of what life has available for you. Yeah. Interesting explanation. What does it require then to kind of uh, really hone in and uh, and see those things. I mean, what, what, obviously, someone has to be self-aware enough to realize something's going on and then be able to dig deep to find out what that is and then have the courage to face it. Uh, what, what is that process? Uh, I'm, just, I'm curious personally because I've got things I still got to overcome like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, as you said, the first thing is just noticing. Noticing where something is not working in your life, noticing the, uh, a pattern that, that seems to repeat. Like I, I keep finding myself in um, a relationship that, that looks this way, that is abusive or less than nurturing, or I keep mm-hmm. finding myself um, you know, working with mean, nasty people in, in toxic environments, um, so on and so on. And so just noticing the patterns. And mm-hmm. then inside of those patterns, then the question is, okay, who am I being that maybe is attracting that pattern? What is the belief that I hold about myself that is keeping that pattern in place? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember talking to someone a while back too, who something kind of stuck with me about some of the things that we might realize that we're doing that are unhealthy, whatever that is, including some of the stuff you just said, uh, and and questioning what need are we trying to meet by those things? Because yes. um, a lot of people talk about these human needs, Tony Robbins and others too. Um, there's these, he has six human needs, for example. Um, yes. And then, and then f- refilling that void perhaps with something healthier, which is easier said than done, I'm sure. Yes. How, how can it be done so quickly? You talk about this word rapid is a pretty uh, strong word because we, we think of, you know, Ferrari flying down the street when we think of rapid. <laughs> so how can, how can we go as fast as the Ferrari down the street to, quick, to quickly change these things? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Well, um, I'm terribly impatient, Phil. <laughs> and so it's like, how, how can I get past this block sooner than later? Yeah. Um, and, and I've, I've, I've had many coaches over the years who were wonderful and, and helped me and supported me. And I've had therapists over the years that have been wonderful and helped me. And, um, what I found that was so powerful about this work, um, the RTT methodology in particular is mm-hmm. that it really allows us to go in and have a conversation at a subconscious level. So essentially inside of our first um, session. It's a two-hour session. I do this over Zoom with folks, um, even long before COVID showed up. And yeah. um, essentially, what I'm doing is I'm I'm helping you relax into an alpha brainwave state. And that is, you have beta brainwave. That's where we're talking like this. We're conscious. Alpha brainwave is that kind of half awake, half asleep place. And essentially, um, I'm taking you into a state of what is formally called as hypnosis, but it's a, it's a state that we go in and out of all day, every day. Um, you know, when you're daydreaming, that's kind of a state of hypnosis where you're kind of 
not quite fully connected to everything um, that's happening in the present moment. And so in that state of alpha brain waves, in that state of hypnosis, your conscious critical judging mind takes a back seat, takes a little bit of a nap. And I'm able to literally have a conversation with your subconscious and ask it, what's at the root cause of this block? Let's say it's confidence, right? What's, what's behind this block around really stepping fully into your confidence? And, and so your subconscious, as I mentioned earlier, is just a repository of data. And so it will bubble up to the surface, the, the memories, the events, the scenes of what created these beliefs originally. And we do that a few times and, and you're literally able to connect the dots. So in this alpha brainwave state, you're perfectly in control. You're able to answer my questions I'm asking you, but your body is very, very relaxed, almost as if you just woke up from a nap, right? Mm. And you're like, oh, right. I don't quite want to get up yet. It's that sensation, um, that super relaxed sensation. And, and so you're able to share with me the the information that's coming up for you and all the perfect information comes up. There's no wrong way to do this. You know, people are like, Oh, am I not deep enough? Well, it doesn't really matter because your subconscious is always listening and we're always able to access it. So once that information comes forward, then that gives me clues. I'm kind of like a brain detective. I take the clues Mm -hmm. and then um, I help you rewrite those scenes where you're essentially eliminating the emotional charge around that scene and neutralizing it. So we're not, we're not changing your history, right? I'm not saying forget that ever happened to you. I'm just saying, okay, that happened to you, but it no longer has an emotional um, power over you. It no longer will take you down the rabbit hole of, you know, worry, fear, self-doubt, et cetera, et cetera. So we neutralize those emotions. Hmm. And then the last piece is I take all of that information that I've gathered and I whip it up into a customized recording. So while you're still in that relaxed state, um, I'm now um, instilling new empowering beliefs. So it's the about the last 30 minutes of our, of our session. And that's when I record um, the session. And then I, I take all of that, um, that, I call it the transformation recording. I take that recording and I mix in some binaural music with it. And your homework then, Phil, is to listen to that recording every day for 21 to 30 days because your brain likes repetition right? So the more you think a thought, the more true that thought becomes for you. Whether you're telling yourself, I suck, I don't have any confidence, I don't believe in myself, that becomes your reality. Or you can flip the script and go, I'm amazing, I believe in myself, and my confidence is getting stronger every day, right? Yeah, yeah. You get to choose which one feels better, right? So the recording that you're listening to each day is building those new neural pathways in your brain, that say, yes, you are confident. You do believe in yourself. You can accomplish what you put your mind to um, one step at a time. And then we follow that up in weeks two, three, and four with coaching sessions, mm-hmm. um, which are the conscious discussions that enable us to pull apart the, the shifts and the ahas that um, clients are having from the initial session and then putting new goals and strategies into place. I'll have different homework assignments that you might have 
um, different assessments perhaps I might have you do, but it's all customized to you based on what you're specifically dealing with and what your goals are to accomplish inside of the 30 or 90 days we're working together. Wow. That's pretty deep stuff. And uh, I, I, personally, I, when I look at the subconscious mind as a topic, um, and I think a lot of people uh, might see it this way, or at least it makes me feel better if they do, uh, <laughs> because of how I see it. But it's the kind of this nebulous thing. And you're talking about it's there, accessible at all times. It's not, it's not something to be scared of. It's something to, to welcome our understanding, to bring it into the, conscience, the conscious realm and, uh, and then understand. I, so I thought it was interesting. You're talking about emotions. Um, why, why are emotions such an important component of what happens here? Because I've heard people with, with all kinds of things surrounding these topics, even the law of attraction, where you're, if someone's trying to visualize something they're trying to do or accomplish or be and, and attaching emotion to it and feeling, why is that so important? I hear the word emotion. Some people say the word breaks down and we say it's energy in motion <laughs> in some way. Mm. But, but tell, me, well, tell me more about emotion, if you would. And why is that so important? No, I love that. Um, absolutely. So if, you know, I'm put my geeky self back in here for just a second. If we boil <laughs> everything down, right, we're all energy. Everything boils down to energy. It's, okay. it's the law of physics. And, and so um, if you think about our bodies, which are pretty amazing things, when you think a thought, it creates, um, it, it creates energy. And emotions are energy. So negative thoughts vibrate at a particular frequency, a lower frequency of energy, mm -hmm. and positive emotions vibrate at a higher frequency, a, fire, a higher energetic frequency. Yeah. And so, and again, it's just, it's just science. Yeah. So the more you think a thought, good or bad, that shifts the vibration that your energy is in the world, right? And so by when, when you hear people say, oh yeah, I want you to visualize that outcome and I want you to feel the feeling of that outcome, like really seeing yourself in your mind's eye with that positive outcome and the, the beautiful feeling of that positive outcome, what you're doing is you're even if it's just for a few minutes, as you visualize that outcome, you're raising your vibration to a higher frequency, right? And the, the more you can raise your vibration and maintain that higher vibration, then the law of attraction, um, you know, is there and you will attract to you things vibrating at a higher frequency, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, it's not to say bad things don't happen to good people or vice versa, um, but it's, it's noticing how you want to feel in your body because it all boils down. Do you want to feel good, Phil, or do you want to feel bad, right? And if we're constantly telling ourselves negative things, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, et cetera, then you're, you're literally making yourself feel bad and your vibration is at a, your energy is at a lower vibration. And there's a, a science called epigenetics, which essentially tells us that um, we, we have the power to change our cells, right? 
there's all sorts of science behind this, um, like uh, Masaru Moto and all his research on um, on water. Right? He he put intent positive intentions into water, and he um, froze them and looked at the crystals under a microscope, and there were these beautiful crystal and structures. Like if he, he he put love, the intention of love or joy or happiness into to water, but Simultaneously, mm. he also saw that if he put negative intentions, hate, anger, frustration um, into water and, and froze it and looked at that, the crystalline structures were very deformed and, and misshapen. Mm. And so knowing that, right, we take that piece of science and we apply it to our bodies. So our bodies are 60% water. So if right. you're telling yourself ugly things, then the, the water structure in your body becomes that, right? So the work that I do is about helping people recalibrate their thinking so that they can tell themselves better things. I am lovable. I am worthy. I am courageous, right? Which raises your energetic vibration, but it also positively impacts the 50 trillion cells in your body. Wow. I mean, just think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. Like, oh, wow, I have this incredible power to impact the physicality of my body through my thoughts and through my energy. Mm. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's really fascinating. I, I <laughs> Isn't saw, it super fun and geeky? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And again, geeky's not uh, something to be frowned upon. <laughs> geeky's a good no, thing. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm a card-carrying member. <laughs> <laughs> Geeky international uh, society. Uh, yes, and I'm glad you're a card-carrying member because you're probably a valuable member of that society, uh, so to speak. But um, no, thank you. It's fascinating too because when you're talking about this with the water and this kind of study and freezing and the crystals, I think too some things I've seen with uh, with I don't remember if it was dust particles or what it was exactly, but with music. And it forms these geometric shapes as certain rhythms or beats or or notes, chords, whatever are played, and it'll form that. Uh, I don't remember the the layout of the because there's a visual. I'll have to pull it up and maybe we'll put a link in there. Yes, show. there's a there's a um, there are are folks in the world, and the the word is escaping me. It begins with an S. Uh -huh. It'll come to me in a, in a minute. But their <laughs> brains are wired a little differently, so when they hear music they see colors or they see shapes, right? Or some people, um, they look at numbers and they see colors, they, they see shapes. Um, and so it's fascinating. There's artists out there in the world since, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me in a minute. But <laughs> um, uh, it just shows you that our, our brains are really amazing places. And everybody's wired differently in, in some respects, but yeah. when you can understand the, the fundamentals of, of how your brain works, then you can use that to empower you. And, it, and, it, and, and when I say that, understanding how your brain works, that you could go really, really deep on that. And I'm not suggesting that we all become neuroscientists here, mm -hmm. but simple things like um, it's good to know that your mind responds to two things, Phil. It, it responds to the pictures you make in your head and the words you say to yourself. And the pictures that you visualize in your mind and the words you say to yourself have an impact on your energy. They have an impact on your emotions, which has an impact on your cells, which has an impact on 
how you move through the world and your health and your well-being. Hmm. Well, and, and it makes me wonder too, and thank you for explaining that, uh, why are we not just naturally these perfect, peaceful, uh, joyous creatures in harmony with ourselves and our universe around us and each other? Uh, because it seems that at our core, we all want that. And, and then you talk at the beginning about all these barriers. Um, but <laughs> maybe we don't have an answer to that at the moment. And maybe there's some deep theoretical religious uh, concepts surrounding that too for some people. But um, it, it just makes, at the very least, it's an open-ended question. I wonder why we're not naturally uh, that way. And maybe from a religious standpoint, maybe we are here to learn, be tested, and go through some things. And I don't know, maybe all these things, Adam and Eve, and all these <laughs> things that people believe or don't believe about the fall from grace from God. Uh, but that's that's a deep concept that maybe we won't get into today. It just makes me wonder that why aren't we <laughs> naturally? Yeah, and and that's a great question. It really is, and and that is a, a much deeper conversation to be had there for sure. Um, but you know, it, I, I believe it does come back to, you know, there's some nature and there's some nurture and, um, at our core, I think we are peaceful beings and the, the circumstances of our lives, um, help shape that. And the, the beliefs that we hold about ourselves shape that based mm-hmm. on the data points that we took in along our path, right? Yeah. Um, to protect ourselves and to stay safe and alive and on the planet as Amy would have it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The amygdala, our friend Amy. Uh, is it safe to say Amy is a friend, by the way? <laughs> in some circumstances, we might overamplify Amy's contribution and maybe just like if someone overdoes it with drinking or something, then that doesn't become a friend. <laughs> is Amy our friend? She she is a well-intended friend, and sometimes she's <laughs> overzealous, shall we say, right? Um, and it's a matter of giving Amy new instructions because she's, she's working off of old operating systems. So if you think about it, how, when was the last time you bought a new phone, a new smartphone, Phil? Yeah, last last February of okay, last February. Okay, so you know we upgrade our phones, we upgrade our computers. I just had to go buy a new whole new computer system like two weeks ago because mine was six years old and it was tired. Um, and we we upgrade our software, our systems, our computers. But how often do we upgrade our own internal programming, our own internal thinking, or? we're running around on these operating systems that we got put into place when we were kids mm-hmm. and we don't often even realize that that programming is there. So the, um, the rapid rewiring work that I do is really about let's upgrade your operating system with a better one with new current information versus old outdated information. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I wonder when a lot of what you said a couple times here, I noticed um, what people deal with and face is this uh, lack of uh, self-worth, perhaps of deserving, you know, low self-esteem kind of stuff. Um, can we delve into that a little bit more? What, what is it? 
I guess there's all kinds of factors individually with that too. But that mm-hmm. seems to be a big thing because I've, I've studied a lot of things in terms of people's relationship with money recently. And yes. there's, there's, in fact, last week we had an episode somewhat on that topic, largely on that topic. And people just, oh, that all sounds fine and good and great, but that's not for me or I don't deserve it. Uh, that's for the rich folks in Beverly Hills or, or somewhere else or up in the Bay Area. Uh, what, what, what is it that happens? Because... In theory, if we have an abundance mindset, to use some of these terms, uh, anyone and everyone—it's not—it's not just one one pie. And if someone gets a bigger piece, uh, that you get less. It's—it's it's like I heard Adam Carolla. I talk about him a lot in this podcast because uh, I relate to some of what he says a lot too. But it's like life is a bakery, and we can go in and everyone can have as big a pie as they want. Yes, uh, exactly. So exactly. And I heard that recently. But anyway, what, what is this about this scarcity and these, these things that hold us down about we're not worthy, we're not, we don't deserve it? Why, why does that happen so much? Yeah, and that's, a, that's a, a powerful question that many, many people ask. And um, what, I've, what I've found is that fundamentally – at the heart, and I've worked with thousands of people from all over the world, Phil, is I found that folks have one of these three very root underlying beliefs. I'm not enough. Success, love, money is not available to me, whatever, fill in the blank, is not available to me, or I'm different. I don't belong. I don't fit in. And in any of those three beliefs, can then have a significant impact on what you feel you deserve to receive, right? If you don't think you're enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable enough, oh, I'm not worthy of receiving that, then energetically you're pushing things away, which creates the scarcity, right? Um, Whether that's a scarcity of money, of love, of success, et cetera. Um, And so when you can shift that underlying belief, and it can be as simple as, for all of your listeners, just start telling yourself, I am enough. I am enough. Write it on a sticky note, put it on your mirror, put it on your computer screen, put it on your hand, and just keep telling yourself over and over and over again, I am enough. I've always been enough. I always will be enough. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. <laughs> Make a little song, sing it to yourself as you drive around town. And the more you tell yourself that, because your, your, your brain likes repetition, right? So the more you tell yourself, you're building those new neural pathways. And you literally, like, just one day will, in, in short order, will be like, well, of course I'm enough. Why, why would I ever think that I wasn't? And just that shifting of that mindset enables you to pull black, pull back the blinders that you've been wearing of what you think you're able, deserving to receive and things start to shift. Mm. So it's, it's those, again, those beliefs that we, we decide about ourselves at a very young age that we're carrying around that then creates this ripple effect. Well, because if you're, you know, if at five years old, you decide you're not enough, <laughs> then that 
colors all of just the decisions you make from there until you change it. Yeah. Good, good explanation. I, yeah. And, and it seems to me in my, I've been on all sides of these topics of not feeling enough and feeling abundance and experiencing various abundance and loss and all these things. We, I think we all have, I'm turning 40 next month. So I, I've lived a few years and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so I just think about in my experience, though, and I have a pretty strong conviction that we're in a, a universe that provides abundance if we tune into that. Um, yes. If we don't, we're living in a sort of disharmony. I learned some time back that I like the roots of words, the etymology. Again, geeky. Uh, yes. The word, the word universe literally means one song. And I, growing up as a musician, I played drums and guitar and all these things. You learn that song, there's notes and harmony. I was a choir director for a while. Uh, when you're out of tune, there's nothing. It's almost like these misshapen crystals <laughs> that we yes, talked about in the water. Exactly. And it exactly. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. And uh, so there, there's something about getting out of tune. But at our core, I think you use the words love, money, and success. I think these are things that it's safe to say. Just about everyone. If we're just being honest, and we just cut out all the nonsense for a second, are those things you want? We go door to door and ask. I think everyone. I, you know, I'm in Vegas. I'll place a bet. I'm willing to bet. Everyone will say, yeah, I do. I do want those things. <laughs> and then the question is, well, how much of those things do you really have in your life right now? And that's where you start mm-hmm. digging deep with what you do. Um, yeah. But, but and, it, and, you know, we found too that money doesn't always mean happiness, right? People no. think, oh, if I had more money, then I'll be happy. Right. Um, but happy happiness is something that has to come from within, and money is just an outcome of that, right? Mm-hmm. We see lots of people in the world who have boatloads of money, but they're terribly unhappy mm-hmm. because they're not they're not in alignment with themselves. They just happen to have a positive money conversation, right? Um, there are people out there who are very happy and don't have a lot of money, right? So one doesn't have to equal the other. Um, but when you are more and more in alignment with yourself, peaceful, happy, content, where you are in this moment, doesn't mean mm-hmm. you don't want more in your life, doesn't mean you're not striving to have greater happiness, greater success, greater abundance in your life. But when you can find peace and gratitude in this moment right now, then that opens the doorway to creating greater alignment with those other things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and truly understanding at our core what and who we are and our true potential, you know, in alignment with uh, reality instead of these delusional, Oh, I'm not enough or whatever. Uh, and we talk a lot in the podcast that probably every episode recently I've mentioned this and I'll mention it here again. I learned and I said it a lot. The word joy in a lot of languages, including Hebrew, literally means an alignment. Uh, mm. and, and so as we align with this reality, uh, again, I like those musical analogies as we get in harmony, like these orchestras tuning the middle C when you walk in to, to hear a symphony or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They're in alignment. I used to watch guys in my band tune their guitars while I was playing drums. And everything had to be in tune or it would sound terrible. So we got to get in alignment, it sounds like. And aligning with, our, with the true nature of what we are sounds like this phrase, I am enough, is probably at the core of what we might say middle C should be. But what, what does I, I am enough I love that. Mean? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. 
I'm glad. No, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's um, I hadn't I hadn't connected it with musicality, but that's a beautiful way to think about it. And you know, there's a there's a, a interesting book that you would probably enjoy, Phil, called Power Versus Force by um, David Hawkins, and it okay. it looks at the science of the the frequencies, right? And and he has a whole resonance scale of you know emotions from help, uh, hatred and self loathing all the way up to to joy and bliss, right? And the 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 actual frequencies of those energetic vibrations of those. So it would be interesting to see what's the, um, how does the frequency of joy sound like? What's the, what's the note that is attached to the frequency of joy? (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a lot of things. It's a whole bunch of notes in alignment at once (laughs) Mm -hmm. to make a very powerful chord. Uh, I think that's, but that's just expressing it verbally. Uh, if we were to put it into a musical place, it would probably knock our socks off, maybe literally, what joy truly can be. Uh, and and I, that's what I, I'm always trying to instill that in our listeners, what we truly can be. We're not always living up to it, and that's okay. We're all in this journey together. We have way more in common than not, which yes. is a message I think we, <laughs> the world needs more now than ever. But um, Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I just think about this phrase, and sometimes, to be quite honest with you, when I hear the phrase, I am enough, or you are enough, I've always kind of taken a step back, like, what does that mean? Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's only three words, uh, but at its core, what does it mean to say, I am enough? And like, in my case, I've I've always had issues of self-worth and things. Some of that comes from you know, my parents split up when I was a kid and I was a young age. I was four or five when they separated. And then my mom wasn't around because my dad got custody, blah, blah, blah. In fact, she moved to Vegas. I was in Albuquerque. Some of my listeners know this. I've talked about this before. And mm-hmm. then my dad was always broke. And I know you're probably listening, dad, love you. And, uh, <laughs> and he tried hard. But, and then I always, I, for those situations, I just learned to not put as much emphasis on money and things, which is good in some ways and bad in others. Um, but um, <clears throat> in any case, it, that's some of my I am enough journey. Is there yeah. any sort of like definition if there was a section of the dictionary or encyclopedia for I am enough? What would we, what would we say that means? <laughs> Sorry to go off. No, that, well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your history with me. That's beautiful, um, Phil. And, you know, I think as the experiences that you lived through, right? Mm-hmm. It created the, it was the air that you breathed. It was the essence that you, you grew up in and the beliefs that you were taught, um, the, the beliefs, the emotions, the modeling that your mother and your father did for you, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Mm-hmm. One end of the spectrum to the other. And that was the reality that was created for you that created the certain beliefs that you carry with you up until now, right? And so if your your father, for example, um, you know, not for not trying, but as you said, he was, you know, always broke, he had some emotional beliefs about himself and his worth and what he was trying to accomplish in the world in some conscious level or not. And you, you absorbed that 
in various ways and shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And then over time, as you, as you became an adult, you started to make your own decisions, but all of that coloring was there in the background, right? And so if perhaps your father had a belief about himself, well, I, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I can't seem to get to here to make more money for, for this example, right? Um, and so enough is what society says that allows us to be worthy. And we, we are bombarded daily by advertising, right? Um, I call those junk values mm-hmm. of, oh, well, you need to have a Ferrari and you need to live in Beverly Hills <laughs> and you need to drive a fancy car and have fancy clothes and rich friends. And, and those are junk values because that's what they want you to believe so that you will go out and spend your money on their thing whatever that is <laughs> yeah. called capitalism, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah. when we come back to ourselves, and this is something that I do with every single client I work with, is I have them look at what are your core values? What are the things that are like water and air to you that you cannot live without in your life? Is it family? Is it creativity? Is it nature? Is it, is it the divine? Whatever that is for you. And when you use those values as your roadmap, then you can find within yourself that yes, you are enough. Yeah. You, you don't have to listen to what society tells us your life should look like or could look like. If you only had better hair or if you only were taller, if you were only lived in this part of the country, right? Whatever. Um, and so when we let go of all of that outside influence and go inward to find what's true for our own heart and spirit and use that as a guide, that's what I believe is then that's that place of enough. Like, Oh, cause our spirits are divine and, and they are absolutely enough mm-hmm. without all of this external noise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great, great points. I think, uh, some of what you're saying in terms of, uh, and, and I think you defined it real succinctly with the word worthy, by the way, feeling and being and making ourselves in our mindset and then our behaviors outwardly worthy, uh, worthy of all these things of the, you know, the love and money and success that life can offer us. And I think it's interesting that we, it's not like we all have the same set of challenges. Um, and certainly some of those differ by gender too, um, between men and women and, and of course, height and weight of the physical things. Uh, I, I, for one, have always been pretty tall, but I know that that's something that's for some guys that's, uh, oh, I'm not. And then it's hard for in various realms, maybe dating or playing basketball or, or whatever. Um, but I've always had a hard time putting on muscle. And so I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around. Uh, and, and those are, those are kind of real uh, superficial challenges, <laughs> to be honest. But everyone deals with something different based Absolutely. on who they are, what they are, their genetic background, and so on. Uh, but uh, it, there's something to be, you've heard the word neuroplasticity, right? Uh, yes. About our brains can mold over time, can change, can develop, can, can grow. Um, it sounds like a lot of what you're saying is, is an embracing of that concept of neuroplasticity that, that we, we don't just have to be stuck in a, in a rut so to speak. That is so very, very true. And I'm glad you brought that up. But I want to go back to one thing that you said is that 
I, I just want to underscore that we are all worthy, period, full stop. But it's what we believe about ourselves that has us think a false truth that we might not be worthy. We might not be enough. That is just a false truth. And so when folks can understand that they are worthy, they are deserving, they are enough, mm-hmm. and really embody that wholly and completely, then reality shifts and life opens up in really amazing ways. Um, but neuroplasticity is a, is a fascinating thing. I've, I've read a lot of fascinating research on how our, our brains heal themselves. And um, I actually recently worked with a woman who um, had suffered um, a series of little mini strokes. And so mm-hmm. strokes essentially kill parts of your brain. There's dead brain cells. Yeah. And, and so for her, that created some um, loss of use on her left side um, I mean, she can use her her left hand and her left arm, but her mobility is severely diminished. Mm. And um, and and so, neuroplasticity tells us that um, use it or lose it. If if you continue to use your brain, it will continue to develop. Um, there used to be the thinking that once we got past a certain age, is that our brains were done. We we couldn't. We couldn't learn anything more, but you know that is very not true. And so, um, when you look at folks who have had strokes, for example, um, they think that okay, well, that part of your brain is is dead. You can't you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. But um, research and and science has shown us that you can regenerate. Um, not those dead brain cells, but you basically teach the the neural pathways around those areas that have died to take over for what is now gone. Mm. So um, I was reading a study um, for stroke victims and the the fascinating thing that they would do is so if their left arm wasn't working, right? Mm. It was they, did, they lost mobility in it. What they would do is they would have these folks put their right arm in a sling so that they couldn't use that. And it forced them to, to little bit by little bit by little bit to use their left hand, their left arm. And the more they did that, then the more mobility they regained. Um, and it's a process and it takes time. But m- my client, for example, that I worked with, she said to me, well, I, I can only raise my left arm to, to about shoulder height. I was like, okay. And so in one of my um, sessions with her, um, I kind of took her through a process and I basically had her imagine that she had a giant helium balloon attached to the wrist of her left hand. And that balloon was just helping her arm. It was just raising up, lifting up, raising up higher and higher and higher. And I managed to videotape this (laughs) so she could see. And she had her arm like way above her point that she had ever gotten it to before, like six inches higher, seven inches higher than what she had previously been able to do it. And just showing her that, like, look what you're able to do. So if you're not telling yourself 
I can't do this. See, my brain doesn't work. I just can't do this. But you're telling yourself, yes, I can do this. And a little bit, and she's like, my, and she practices now and her, she's able to raise her arm even higher and higher and higher now. So I share that with you because it, excuse me, it just, it shows folks that um, you can retrain your brain and have other parts of your brain take over. There was another study, and this is fascinating to me. This mm. woman was born literally with no left hemisphere. Like wow. they did MRIs when she was three or four, and there was just darkness. And they're like, what? What is going on here? And so when the, mm. the MRIs got more sophisticated, they were able to see that she literally only had half a brain, but she was able to function pretty darn well in the world and she was able to move. She had some physical limitations, but her, the right side of her brain had learned how to do the things that her left side of her brain did when it wasn't even there. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. This is all very, very fascinating. I always love these topics. I guess that's why we do this podcast too. (laughs) And uh, again, there's so much depth. Like I've got notes galore here from what we're talking about and we could go on and on and on and on. I, uh, but I, I do want to underscore what you said with the imagination part with the balloon and, and raising her arm higher than she'd ever done before, just in one moment by using a different technique. And that I think also underscores the idea of neuroplasticity of being a little open-minded to what the possibilities are to our potential and, and not having these limiting, limiting beliefs uh, because in one fell swoop, you were able to go in there and help her do something she was never able to do before just with a little different approach. Um, yeah. And goodness, there's so many things we could, we could continue to talk. I know you got to run here pretty soon. Um, but, and, and one of the things I wanted to say too, when you said about the false truths that people believe, it occurs to me, again, I like symbolic stuff. It occurs to me that a lot of that ends up kind of being a cloud. It clouds our mind, like the clouds in the sky. Yes. It doesn't mean that the sun isn't there though. It doesn't mean that we can't have that light. It just means that the clouds are there and we need to disperse them. Uh, Exactly. The sun is there at all times, just like our subconscious mind and soul are there at all times. We just got to retune with those things. So this is a message of hope. Thank you for sharing all this. Is there any final thoughts as we wrap up? Because I know you got to run here soon. Um, Of course, we got nectarconsulting.com. We've got uh, your, uh, of course, all your coaching. There's some free uh, trainings and stuff that people can find. I'll put some links to that. Any final thoughts though, Michelle? Yeah. Um, well, you know, if, if your listeners are, are struggling with something that they feel is, is blocking them, you know, know that, that you have the power to change your mind, right? You can change your thoughts, rewire your thoughts and create more of a life that you love. Um, it is possible. I've seen it time and time and time again. And, and so I would, you know, extend the invitation if, if someone's curious and would like to know more, I'm happy to have a, a complimentary discovery call with folks. You can visit my website, nectarconsulting.com, N-E-C-T-A-R, consulting.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, have a look at my calendar there and, and book some time with me and we can, you know, have a private confidential conversation about what's not working for you in your life and what you might want to eliminate or, or rewire for yourself. Um, and I'd also say uh, visit the brain candy section of my website. I have all sorts of free resources there. 
um, a couple of eBooks with transformation recordings that you can download for free and listen to on your own and listen to them as you're drifting off to sleep at night because your hmm. uh, um, conscious mind is already geared to take a nap. So your subconscious is always listening. So if you fall asleep while listening to one of my transformation recordings, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And um, let me know what you start to notice as those, as you listen to those over 30 days um, because you're, you can take back the power of your mind. You can take back um, control from your amygdala, Amy, um, from your fears <laughs> and create more um, joyful, happy living for yourself and watch the powerful positive ripple effects that creates for you. So yeah. um, it's, it's been a real joy to be here with you, Phil. I've really loved this conversation and I hope it um, shed some new light for your listeners on some things that maybe they hadn't thought about and um, can help them remove some of the blinders that have, are holding them back. Yeah, thank you. We can, uh, we can all have a better relationship with old Amy uh, as well. It's kind of a renewed relationship there. Uh, and also your Facebook group, uh, Rewire for Success. We want to touch on that, people. You know, oh, on yeah, absolutely. Jump on that. Uh, any, any quick tips or thoughts on that? Uh, the, it's just jump in the Facebook group and find out the content and share your experience. Yeah, right? so um, <laughs> I have a, a, a Facebook group, Rewire for Success, where I share uh, information. I have pop-up master classes that I do there from time to time. Um, but uh, come on over. The water's, uh, water's warm and it's a welcoming community and um, learn more about this work and, and put some of the tools to use for your own self. So come yeah. on down. <laughs> I, might, I might jump in there today if you'll have me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Michelle, awesome. You are like the Ferrari brain detective like we talked about here that's helping a lot of people and I'm so grateful that you, that you joined us. So all those resources plus your book, Breakthrough Healing, all kinds of stuff. Go to the website, find all of it, nectarconsulting.com. And uh, for our audience, we love you. Uh, Flattered you spend time with us. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.